0: Today we're continuing with the series of Kingdom Life in a Broken World. And you can see this picture here is of uh, our broken world at the moment. A Very quiet motorway under lockdown that one of my colleagues at work took. And um, I think it's quite a peaceful image actually. I wouldn't mind if it stayed that way, I can sort of imagine. Lots of happy cyclists riding on down that motorway in freedom. Anyway, as uh, this title suggests, it's, um, the series is um, very much about our lives. It's about the here and now. And today's scripture, I think, is often thought to be about how to get to heaven. And as we'll find out, it's really not that. It's really a scripture very much about the here and now. Here we are, Matthew seven thirteen to 14. Now, this is a scary one, the narrow gate. Dun, dun, dun. Enter by the narrow gate, Jesus says. Since the road that leads to destruction is wide and spacious, and many take it, but it is a narrow gate and a hard road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now at first, um, this this teaching, it's it looks like one that um, I would rather avoid. It looks like, yeah, it's, it looks like a bit of a doom and gloom sort of one, a bit scary. Uh, and as we, we know, if we've been Christians for quite a while, we would know that uh, there have been quite a lot of people who have used this verse or verses like this to support their view that they are in and everyone else is out. But... Um, that's not what this is about. There's, um, actually, I think we'll find, in a way, we'll find Jesus is saying the opposite. He's saying to us, don't make assumptions about your salvation. So in that way, it's a little bit even more scary. <laughs> however, however it, is, uh, it's one of, it's, it is one of these really stark teachings from Jesus. It's quite shocking. He's been doing this, as we know, through the, throughout the Sermon on the Mount that we have been studying over the last few months, we've seen him bring up these, uh, use this rhetoric where he puts the two extremes up against each other in stark contrast. Uh, you know, the one I remember from teaching last time was, You cannot serve both God and money. So we've been seeing a lot of these stark contrasts over the last little while in Jesus' teaching. Now, the narrow gate um, also appears in the Gospel of Luke. And I, uh, both versions tell us something quite different about this, uh, to this common idea of who is saved and, and who is not. In Luke, let me just bring up the comparison. In Luke, the narrow gate appears quite a bit later in Jesus' ministry. Uh, Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem here and in comparison uh, Matthew is only up in chapter seven it's quite early in his ministry the great sermon on the mount but I think they both serve the same purpose with a little bit of uh, difference and it's a really interesting uh, I, I just want to I just want to dwell in Luke for a little while, so I'm going a little bit away from the Sermon on the Mount, but it's for a very good purpose. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll come back to the Sermon on the Mount soon. So, in Luke, the narrow, the narrow gate appears, appears um, as Jesus is going from one town and village to another. And he's teaching as he made his way up to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? And he says, strive to enter the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. So I just want to ramble about this for a little while because it's something I've found really interesting this week as I've been thinking about narrow doors, narrow gates. there's, yeah, there's a, I've been thinking a lot about narrow gates, actually. We we live in a, a small little apartment, and it's quite narrow to, to get through. And uh, to live here happily, we've had to get rid of a lot of things. Uh, we've had to really simplify our lives. Which gives you a bit of a hint as to where I'm going today with this. Okay, back to Luke. It's interesting that... It's in this version of the narrow gate story. It's somebody asking Jesus the question here. Somebody is saying, uh, and it's a question that I think teases all of us at some point, or at some point in our faith walk, we are asking this question: who is saved and who is not? It's a question that teases us a lot, I think. And the answer that Jesus gives, well, he I think often when he gets asked what you might think are silly questions, or maybe a question that he thinks is not so important, he sort of answers like a politician, he, he sort of answers in an oblique way that guides your mind somewhere else. Cool. Um, but I really shouldn 't demean jesus to a, to a politician I, I take that back, but uh, the, the sort of the answer that he gives he probably wouldn 't get away with it on Radio New Zealand. You know how many will be saved Jesus? Come on, we want the numbers, but he doesn 't do that so what does he say well we 're asking, will everyone go to heaven? Will only a few go to heaven now, I really must pay credit to um Bishop Robert Barron here, he's a, he's a great, this really great thinker who I um, really enjoy to, uh, reading. He, he taught me a lot about this context in Luke. So, let's have a look at this. Luke tells us that Jesus is heading for Jerusalem. Now this is where things are starting to get tough for Jesus and this is in Jerusalem where he eventually is crucified. And at this moment where it's one Jew asking another Jew, okay? It's one Jew asking this well-known rabbi his opinion on this issue of how many will be saved. So it's one Jew asking another Jew within this entirely Jewish frame of reference, this entirely Jewish worldview. Who are the people this follower... This Jewish follower is presuming will be saved. Who is he thinking of? He's probably thinking of himself and his fellow Orthodox and upright Jews. Uh, As part of the nation of Israel, they have this chosen status. As we learn through the Old Testament, they have this chosen status and they follow the law and the covenant. So they have this inheritance to salvation. So in this framework, who are the many? Who are the many that are not going to get through the narrow gate? Who are the many that this follower thinks will not be saved? Well, probably in his mind, there are all the Gentiles. All those who God has not chosen. So you see, behind this question... How many are going to get into heaven? Who will be saved? Who won't be saved? Behind this question, there's a sort of a presumption, isn't there? There's a sort of a a superiority. A very religious person in a Jewish world saying to Jesus, Hey, Rabbi, isn't it true that we few chosen people will be saved and the vast majority of the human race won't be? See, behind this question, there's a kind of a presumption of exclusivity. And uh, once we see this, I think this is a really important part of this moment in the Gospels. Once we understand that context, much of what Jesus says afterwards in the Gospel of Luke, following this moment, it begins to make a whole lot more sense. So, after Jesus replies with this saying about the narrow door, he continues to say, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you came from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you and you talked in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. In other words, it sounds like Jesus is saying at this point in Luke, he's saying to his Jewish followers, just because you, as an Israelite, are physically, culturally close to God, close to the Messiah right now, there's no guarantee of salvation. Jesus is saying to this Jewish follower, your religious and your ethnic status, in other words, it's not enough. Now, is that starting to sound familiar to you? I mean, remember earlier in the series on the the Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking at, do you remember uh, Jesus saying things like, don't pray loudly like the hypocrites? Or don't make a show of your giving? See, status, and this is what he's really pushing here, is that status doesn't matter to God. That's not the way to salvation. Even Israelite followers of Jesus, they've got to enter by the narrow gate. And in the Gospel of Luke, this moment happens on the path to to crucifixion, as we know. Uh, Jesus is going to the cross. So the narrow gate and the hard road, what is that? It's this path of discipleship that Jesus is leading us on. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me later on. So I think, I think that's a clue. That's the, that's the narrow gate and the hard road. Take up your cross and follow me. What are you willing to let go of, in other words? Do you trust me? That's the real question I think God's asking us. Do you trust me here? So listen to the rest of what Jesus says to his Jewish followers in that chapter. And look, he continues after this. He says, There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see these Jewish heroes, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south. So south, that's us, hopefully. And these people will take their place at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. There it is. The last will be first, and the first will be last. That's a big conundrum of the gospel. If we look back to the gospel of Matthew... This implication is, it's all through the Sermon on the Mount. You know, for us today, it means don't let your pride, um, don't let your pride get in the way of your relationship with God. We can't be thinking that we are first because of our because of our religion or because of our you know strong faith or something. Um, we can't be thinking that way because we're thinking we're better than others and we'll probably end up last. And uh, those that we think are less than us, those who we think are not worthy, uh, they'll be the first. That's, I think, a big part of what the first will be last and the last will be first is about. So God is telling us to stay focused really. He's, he's saying, remember, remember who I am and, and remember how. Remember where I'm taking you. Keep your eyes on the horizon. Especially for uh, many of us who have been Christians for most of our lives, um, we're like that Jewish follower. We've been seeking God for a long time, but God is telling us, don't get distracted. Keep seeking me. And I think um, just from what we were hearing from Peter at the beginning of our gathering this morning, there's a really great picture of how we can keep seeking the narrow gate. You know, Peter said that he's been a Christian for so many decades, and we have ambitions of reading the Bible, and um, life often gets in the way. But there are a lot, we're really lucky, there are so many brilliant resources out there that can help us to keep seeking, no matter how much of a veteran of the faith we are. And so uh, thanks for that. I uh, thank you for that, um, Pete. That's, um, yeah, been, that's really helpful. Yeah, it's an interesting, very interesting passage. I really enjoyed looking at the Jewish context of Luke and Matthew. Uh, N.T. writes a lot about... Um, the significance for Israel in these scriptures. And N.T. Wright says, basically, Israel was meant to be this, they were called, Jesus was calling them to be this salt of the earth, and this light that would be a magnet for the rest of the world and would attract uh, people from the north and the south and east and west so there's a that's a really good book um if you want to get to know gospels like this even more uh n t Wright has a whole series Matthew for everyone uh Luke for everyone. So I highly recommend that. Don't get distracted. That's what this narrow gate is about. So what is this narrow gate there are There are a lot of narrow gates, I think. I've been thinking a lot about narrow gates, as I said before, and there are a lot of narrow gates in the New Testament, uh, old in the first testament, aren't there? The, the there's the story of um in the story of Israel, there's an Exodus, Moses parting the Red Sea. Now, maybe not literally a narrow gate, but sort of a metaphorical narrow gate. So, go with me here, okay? <laughs> Lots of narrow gates. Moses parts the Red Sea, and. Uh, that's how Israel, that's how they escape from Pharaoh, through that narrow gate. What else is there? Uh, there's God's pillar of fire and cloud, and, and that leads God's people through the desert, leads them on the way. See, that's another narrow gate that leads to life. And then there are the, the commandments. There's, there's the, uh, the law, and there's the prophets. These are uh, boundaries the, the through the law and through what the prophets teach. They, they set these boundaries for Israel. Boundaries for Israel to thrive and to live within. Just like a gate allows you into a boundary, gives you safety. So these stories of the First Testament are all about Israel's obedience to God, aren't they? They're about obedience uh, take this risk and follow Moses through this parted ocean and take this risk and follow this pillar of fire through a desert they're uh, they're about obedience to God and as we see for us and thank you Emma for your prayer at the beginning because I think the for us now to be looking at uh, these Gospels. We, we look through the lens of resurrection, so it was great to um, start that way this morning. We're, uh, we're alive in the resurrection now, and we look back at the, the Gospels, and we see that Jesus, who is this, we learn that he's this fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the gate. Jesus is the narrow gate, I think. And as Jesus has taught us throughout the Sermon on the Mount, it's not about doing good deeds or being religiously proper. It's about taking up our cross and trusting him. And that can be a hard road. Do you remember that story of the the rich young man. He asked uh, Jesus, what can I do to get eternal life? He has followed the law, stuck to the commandments. And so Jesus says to him, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and then come and follow me. But the man goes away sad. His worldly stuff got in the way, it got in the way of his relationship with God. He couldn't let it go. See, he couldn't fit all his possessions through the narrow gate, that's why it's narrow, I think. (laughs) I do have a picture of the narrow gate somewhere here. Here we go. There's some light through the darkness, the narrow gate. Now, in in his book, Mere Christianity, um, C.S. Lewis, as usual, sums everything up so perfectly. There's a There's a great chapter in there about the uh, how it's hard and it's easy so here's here's what he says: The terrible thing the most um, almost impossible thing is to hand over your whole self all your wishes and precautions to Christ, but it is a far easier thing than it is far easier than what we're all trying to do right now instead for what we're trying to do is to remain what we call ourselves we keep personal happiness as our great aim in life and yet at the same time we try and be good we're all trying to let our mind and our heart go their own way centered on maybe money or pleasure or ambition and we're hoping that in spite of this but to behave honestly and chastely and humbly and that is exactly what Christ warned us you could not do as he said a thistle cannot produce figs the real problem of the christian life comes where people do not usually look for it it comes the very moment you wake up each morning all your wishes and your hopes they all the hopes of the day They rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, listening to that other voice, taking the other view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. And so on, all day. Standing back, from all your natural fussings and frettings coming in out of the wind. And I think that's a a really great way of thinking about seeking this narrow gate. Every morning waking up and just pushing back those common anxieties that we have And listening for that stronger, quieter voice. And finding peace there, finding shelter from the wind. Thank you, C.S. Lewis. Isn't that good? (laughs) See, Jesus, um, he does say some scary things in the gospel. He talks about this narrow gate and this hard road. But... He also says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He also tells us about a lost sheep who is eventually found by the shepherd who leaves the 99. He tells us about this younger son who leaves home and um, he eventually turns back hungry and the father runs to him. and and then we learn about the resurrected christ who had been abandoned by peter when the cock crowed and um, that was one of his closest followers and the resurrected christ finds his old friend and he gives him another chance see jesus has defeated death for us through this cross and resurrection and he has opened the way for us to experience the presence of God right now, wherever we are. And that's this incredible grace that God has given us. All we've got to do is to, to listen and to trust and take that risk and let God love us more. See when we find that when we when we know who we belong to, I think that's how we live out God's kingdom in a broken world. I think that's how we can that's how we can love without judgment, and that's how we can give out of abundance. And I think that's the crux of it for me. This, this, this part of the gospel is, in a way, it can be about, you know, what's hap- going to happen when you die later on down the track. But I think what Jesus is getting at, and what's much more important, is the here and the now. Um, so, the narrow gate. I think it's really important in, to go back to um, the Gospel of Matthew that this verse about the narrow gate comes immediately after the golden rule. It's all about context. This verse comes immediately after Jesus says, Do unto others as you, as you would have done to you. And we know he 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 takes that idea even further into love and he says love others as I love you love others as God loves you because God loves them too so I think that's um, that's really, that's the crux of it for me I might just finish with a story by um, Father Gregory Boyle. He's someone who I refer to quite a lot. He's a priest in Los Angeles who runs a ministry uh, rehabilitating gang members. And in his book, he tells the story about a gang member called Caesar, who he's known since he was a kid. Um, now Caesar is 25, and he's been in and out of prison for years because of gang stuff. Um, and he just gets out. From a four year stint and he calls Father Greg. Father Greg says, um Caesar and I we we chit chat on the phone dispensing the niceties and then Caesar says Let me cut to the cheese. I just got out. Right now I'm staying with a friend in his apartment, but I don't got no clothes. Can you help me? Sure, son. Greg says, and he, picks, up the phone, uh, he p- picks him up, goes in his car to pick him up and go to the store. This huge, menacing ex-con hasn't lost this childish excitement and joy when he sees the old priest. And later on that night, uh, about 3 a.m., Father Greg is woken by a phone call, and it's Caesar, and he urgently needs to talk i got a question to ask you. You know, you know how I've always seen you as my father, even since I was a little kid. And I have to ask you a question. Have I been your son? Oh, yes, without a doubt, Father Greg says. And Caesar exhales, and he's crying. Then I will be your son. And you will be my father, and nothing will separate us, right? That's right. In this early morning phone call, this gang member just out of prison didn't discover that he has a father. He discovered that he is a son worth having. The voice broke through the clouds of his terror and this mess of his history, and he felt himself beloved. Jesus, in Matthew's Gospel, says, How narrow is the gate that leads to life? Mistakenly, I think we've come to believe that it's about restriction, that the way is narrow. But really, it wants us to see that narrowness is the way. It's about funneling ourselves into a central place. Our choice is not to focus on the narrow, but to narrow our focus. The gate that leads to life is not about restriction, it's about entry into the expansive. Because there is a vastness in knowing that you are a son or daughter worth having.